cool. Back into the ghostly. All right, folks, welcome back. Yes, to another episode of the ghostliest show around. Mostly, you know what I mean? That's mostly ghostly. Myself, Macho, and we have Ray with us today. As always, you know, I, we're doing a ghostly. Um, we're having fun with it, right, Ray? Are we having a blast? Oh, yeah, definitely. Of course. <laughs> the, um, you know, of course, we're having, we're, at, we're doing mostly ghostly, and doing mostly ghostly is like a drug, you know what I mean? It's just so fun. You get out there, you get to talk about all these fun things, and, uh, you know, people will appreciate it later. It's like when you're on drugs and people videotape you being crazy. You have fun, and then later somebody else gets to have fun at your expense, you know what I mean? Well, hopefully it's not at our expense, and they're not laughing at us, but yeah, just having fun. Well, it's at their expense if they join, if they go up to our Boombastic streaming page. It'll be at their expense. But until until they go to that page, it'll be at our expense, I'm afraid. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but we love everybody. Love, not hate. Love conquers all. Now, today we're going to jump into something that we kind of dabbled into in the past in season one uh, in our episode, Shadow People Are People Too. Um, we're very, you know, we're very f- pro rights, every spiritual being, you know what I mean? Um, now the top hat demon, uh, is another name that it goes by is that, you know, the hat man, the top hat demon. Um, it's one of those things, the, 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 the lurkers, you know what I mean? Shadow people for a brief, you know, a little description of that. I'm sure most people who've listened to the show have heard about shadow people. You know, when you're in a dark room and you see something that's a little darker than the darkness, that's kind of a shadow person. People see them either standing there or moving around, um, usually in the physical form, maybe a little stretched out or, you know, elongated, not quite fully human, but maybe a little faded, that fade, faded blur. If you were to, if you were to paint a, a human with a, with a nice pen, nice, nice black pen, and then you just took your hand and smeared it up the painting or the, pa- the paper, that's what a shadow person would look like. It's, it's mainly... It's, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like, folks. It's a shadow, like that thing that follows people around all the time. Um, it's one of those. So it can be elongated and such. Um, it's one of those. You mean, you mean when I'm sketching, I'm creating shadow people? Yeah, but you don't recognize them as people or they can come through. That'll open up the portal. They're just shadows. They're just pictures in a book, Danny. You know what I mean? So to give a little, to go deeper into the hat man situation and what that is, you know, the hat man is a shadow person or a demon, depending on your source, uh, that has been reported all over the world. The entity is usually described as a tall shadow man dressed in a long black trench coat and wearing a wide brimmed hat of fedora. He is distinctively male and witnesses say that he has no face or a shadowy blurred face. Most shadow entities are usually uh, seen for a moment or two before disappearing, but the hat man seems to be different while often staying for a prolonged period of time, and sometimes he even touches, chokes, or assaults his victims, which is uh, terrible. If he's going to assault them, I hope he would pepper them as well. Uh, Does he eat the soul? Oh, my goodness. Another aspect of the hat man uh, th- that is eerie and more sinister than other shadow people is that the hat man is often associated with hostile environments, aggression, uh, and is sometimes an indicator that something evil will happen or is currently happening at that time or maybe in the past. 
here is uh, what the Strange Accounts website has to say about the Hat Man. So we're giving some giving some shout outs to Strange Accounts. Um, not to be confused with that strange show, right? Uh, with our boy. Okay. Um, that I think I messed up the name of his show. Who is our guest from the second episode? Cheechum Bomb. Oh yeah, Cheechum Bomb. Yeah. Yeah, that that's str- I think it's that strange show. I think I could be wrong. Um, but they like to say the seemingly dark presence is known to cause or be attracted by hostile environments and aggressive behavior. Those who see him are often witness to domestic disturbances and family breakdowns, noting a tangibly negative atmosphere, a sense of dread or hopelessness. For, for uh, this reason, many have labeled the spirit a demon, an intelligent haunt capable of both physical and psychological manipulation. The hat man may well be able to oppress those if he comes in contact with, see, uh, seeming to lend credence to this theory. The hat man also seems to take pleasure in the terror he causes, uh, and witnesses have reported feeling that the hat man is somehow feeding off of their fear, which we often talk a lot about that in the presence of these spiritual things. That's kind of, you know, you think that they're coming to kill you. You know what I mean? Everybody thinks that what the thing that they're looking for is their soul. But in reality, it's their fear because the fear, the f- if you don't kill, you're not killed, you can continue to feed off of that fear. You know, the juiciest of all emotions, they say. Maybe I wonder what's more juicy, hate or fear as an emotion. What do you think, Ray? What's more powerful to, to a spiritual thing? The spiritual thing? Well, if you're talking about a dark thing, yeah, uh, fear opens the door, but hate keeps them there. They can feed off hate big time. I had that a conversation with somebody earlier today, today actually talking about hate and how, um, you know, when you talk to somebody religious or like not quite, you know, just starting out to be religious, they always go around and they say, you bring up the devil, they go, I hate the devil. And you understand where they're going with it, but you also got to go, yeah, but you hating that, that hate in your heart is a negative thing so he would still win you know what i mean it's one of those things even because you're not supposed to hate you're supposed to recognize something for what it is and not be down with it and don't get involved with it but and stay away from it but you know they say hate hate itself is is you know cancerous to yourself it, it poisons yourself you know what i mean so uh yeah definitely i vibe with that whole that whole vibe of that especially with like you know the aggressive aggressive place with the you know domestic violence and you know terrible things that happen with broken families and stuff like that i definitely feel i mean we all know it that's a very common factor that comes up in a lot of these things where you know whether it's a haunting in a house or something like this where it's uh you see it in, you know night night is a very negative atmosphere and these things can manifest via the negative energy itself, or you might have people reaching out. You might have people and families re- opening portals, maybe via Ouija board, but opening up some type of portal, asking for something to help them. You know what I mean? Which is very tricky. You know, if you were to, you know, a lot of people from all ages, they grow up and they, you know, pray to God and they ask God for their help and stuff. But if a kid or something was to just openly speak, and ask for things without using the name of God or whatever they wanted to use, whatever they thought they were praying to, would that open up a portal for anything? Or would, would, would a God figure understand that they're going to trying to talk to them? What do you think? Um, it potentially opens up a portal. I forgot the exact translation, but people joke about 
and it's been used in movies. Uh, and someone's going to do something, they say abracadabra. Mm. And I forgot the exact translation, but it's actually an old Aramaic thing, which basically was used in magic. It says something like, um, I speak it into being. Yeah. So words, the idea that words uh, have a lot of power. Part of it is the emotion behind them. I mean, even if you are, if someone has a Christian background and if they take a look at it, at the very beginning of it, it says the word. It all talks about the word. Yeah. The word of God and, and God was the word and it go it goes on from there. So words are powerful. Um, the emotion behind the words is, is very strong. If you take an abusive situation or conflict in a house and there's a lot of raw energy and emotion being released, uh, that's perfect for dark entities to latch on to, feed on to, and uh, give them a door to manifest, to come into this world. Yeah. They, they're using all that negative energy. They're using all that anger. And initially, they may be using some of that fear. Because when you have that fear, you're open. You're out of balance. I've always thought that. And uh, I don't know, about 30 years ago, I wrote a short story. And actually, I, get, I think I gave you a copy of it. I do. I have it. And the resolution at the end is that uh, basically there's hate. And there's love, and the the winner is the one that actually embraces and loves the other one, and the hate disappears, and the hate goes away. I've always thought it might be interesting that if someone confronted the devil, instead of being afraid or anything, is, you know, I mean, this is, I'm saying it kind of comically, but the idea would be, you know, come here, big guy, I'm, I'm going to give you a hug. I love you, and God loves you. That would be the worst thing for the devil to hear? Yeah. If you actually felt like I feel, I feel really bad. Give me a hug. I love you. God loves you. I mean, I can see the devil at that point just screaming and running because that's the last thing it wants to the devil or any evil entity. That's the last thing it wants. Mm. If you have no fear and no hate is love. Yeah. It's the, it's the opposite of what it is. So yeah, fate, uh, fear, hate, violence, anger. That feeds into the negative. That feeds into the dark side. It helps create these things. Yeah. And we wouldn't say go summon the devil to tell him that you loved him or anything. But if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're, you two interacted, you know, you, you don't, don't approach it that way. You know what I mean? Or even just saying it, you know, like we said, have we done an episode on the power of words? I know we've talked about it before. Not a whole episode, no. We should do it in the future because a lot can be said of, you know, saying you hate people. You know, I know in the past we've talked about when people curse people and they go, oh, that dude cut me off. I hope he gets into a car accident or something like that. And we we almost look at it as humor to kind of make the situation we're in better where we make a joke about it. And I'm a culprit of it myself. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, even those little things that you say could do some damage to not only that person to yourself because you're like putting that negative energy out there. And it all, once that energy gets pushed, thrown at somebody, it's like a boomerang. And once it does its damage over there, it comes back home. You know what I mean? So you got to be careful with that. Oh yeah, d definitely. And we manifest through energy and you're manifesting uh, negative energy there and putting that out there that 
to harm a person, whether you're taking it serious at the moment or not, and it's, it's just an outburst, you're doing it. Um, I do something different when I get cut off. I mean, if you're, you're talking traffic, and I do it because I cannot say it negative. I mean, it, it is so so ridiculous. Because uh, someone will cut me off, and I'll look at him and go, "Oh, you twat waffle!" <laughs> and I start I start laughing. That word is just so ridiculous. I start laughing and I say, "Yeah, go ahead in front of me. I don't care." Uh, <laughs> it's just one ridiculous word I throw out there, and then kind of brings me back to the yeah, It's not that serious. Yeah, there was space in front of me. So what? Yeah, I recommend making up your own swears and stuff like that. That's the best way to kind of combat that situation when you're angry. Because, you know, you can't help it. You just get angry. It's human nature. But instead of saying, oh, I hope they died or, you know what I mean? I, I hope their eyes, they lost their eyesight. You know what I mean? Like so going back to some old old time stuff. Um, but instead of that yeah. stuff, you know, just fooshnickens, you know, fooshnickens, something just like anything, you know. And you'll be surprised. I think what it is is we're just kind of. We're kind of trained and used to the fact that you get angry, just let it out, you know, immediately. It's almost like it gets bottled up in you. You need to let it out before it gets you. And you do need to let you keep bottling stuff up is definitely bad news. But um, it's all about how you express and release it appropriately is more the thing. I I had a friend years ago. And sometimes when people get in arguments and like they start swearing and they go, oh, fuck you and stuff like that. Somebody get in his face and you just look at him and go, tough kadoobies. (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of like everybody would like like pause half the people would be laughing and every it was his disarming phrase tough yeah. kadoopies right and like the whole situation like bong and half the people are laughing the guy who is fighting with now is kind of like gets frustrated and walks away and everybody laughs and goes about their life yeah it's beautiful it's kind of what beautiful hell, when you think about it what the hell is a tough kadoopie exactly <laughs> But it was perfect. You know, it's a perfect situation. Uh, back at, you know, the, the, hat, so the feeding off of the fear thing is a big deal. Other witnesses have reported that the hat man sometimes has glowing red eyes or black featureless solid eyes to kind of go into the, the black eyed children of our last episode. Um, others have said that the hat man is a fallen angel or an angel of death that comes just before death. You know what I mean? Which that's an interesting thing too, because I had a question that popped in my head of like, you know, uh, they, you know, the Hat Man's, you know, related to sleep paralysis, pretty heavy, um, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, I wonder if he, if, if when people die in their sleep, if this was almost an angel of death, something that came, like a Grim Reaper type thing that came to uh, came to get you, you know, came to not even maybe get you, but you know. It, just because we're not used to it, it comes off scary. Who's to say? But for you know, I can't really say who's to say because a lot of this is uh, negative stuff. So I'm sure it's probably negative. But uh, the visual would creep people out to begin with. But what's your take on a fallen angel or uh, an angel of death type situation with the hat man? If you're taking a fallen angel, then it's using a form that might intimidate you, or at least using a human form that you might be able to recognize. That, that creates that creates the fear, and that creates an in. Um, as for the angel of death, everybody calls it negative. It isn't necessarily a negative thing. Uh, basically, how do you know that it isn't an angel or an archangel escorting you over to the other side, mm. doing a good doing a good deed? 
we associate everything with death as negative and negative uh, death is just a transition, hopefully to a higher state or a better place. So an angel of death isn't necessarily bad. It's just we're terrified of death. So we think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird vibe. You know, the, the visual of it's interesting because it's like it, 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 dimensional things, you know, could have a different look to them. And you took it, they, they have different animals, you know, cats, dogs, insects, you know, they all, they all see better, I believe, than human eyeballs do. You know what I mean? Like, that's why you, that's why when you have that weird moment of like when the cat's running around the, the house and it looks like it's chasing something, you know what I mean? Like, that's why it's creepy because it's like their eyes are different where they can see light differently. And, and light is very important when you really think about things. Um, and just because you're, it's daytime and you're looking, looking th- across your living room and you see nothing uh, doesn't mean that there's nothing there. You know what I mean? There could definitely be something, you know, the, the shadow, the rays of light, uh, not the ray in front of me, even though he is a ray of light, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> everybody's seen, you know, the, those ray, the rays of light that will come through the window, even in a, during the daytime where you're in a lit up room, but you still see those beams of light, you know what I mean? So I think that there's all different types of things that can be portrayed within the beams. And uh, it's interesting. A fallen angel. Now, the devil was the first fallen angel, right? Yes. And then there was, there was multiples after that just people, other angels that felt that didn't, you know, kind of went the same way he went, didn't, didn't want to worship humanity and stuff. Uh, yeah, the followers of the original, they're all the fallen angels. Um, if, if you take cats, yeah, go, going back to that, which we just mentioned, there's law from around the world about cats being not only being able to see the spirit world, but cats are protectors. Mm. They will uh, basically protect you against those things in spirit. They will chase them off. Their energy repels them. Um. Yeah, Middle Ages, they said cats, witches, familiars, but they were simply trying to prosecute people they didn't understand who were different. Cats themselves, you go back to Egypt, they were worshipped. Yeah. And that's because of their positive energy and their ability to protect and help people. So having cats or a cat or cats around is not a bad thing. You've got a little protector there helping you. Right. Their connection to the spirit world is strong. Everybody respect their cats. Do you think dogs have the same vibe, or is it different? No, not so much. Um, not not so much. I think that their protectors, but more in the physical world and the spiritual world. Hmm. I mean, yeah, they, they will fight to the death to protect an owner, but the cat will fight the the darkness uh, from the spirit world to protect their owner. Do you think there's some subconscious thing that? We land, a lot of people will land with pets, but, you know, and you have a, a physical protector like a dog or the spiritual protector like a cat. You think that's something that supposed, just supposed to be? I think so. Um, most of my life I've been, I've investigated a variety of different uh, spiritual pets. And that's always been something that side that's been uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like dogs, yeah. but... If you take a look at, I'd say probably 90% of my life, I've had a cat around yeah. and, and cats also, uh, seem to automatically like me. I can go into a house where someone says, Oh, it's shy. It hides in the other room all the time or doesn't like people. And cat comes out, purrs and sits on my lap. So I've always had that connection with cats. Yeah. 
And I think that's, that's just something maybe the cat recognizes or sees, or maybe it's the way it's supposed to be for me. Yeah. I always thought it was interesting that the, the Egyptian times did worship the cats and stuff like that, but never the dog and the dog and the dog kind of became the dog snuck in there and became man's best friend. But the cat is the female's best friend. Well, the dog, I think also, I think uh, the reason it was a little bit different. You take, for instance, wolves intimidate people. Mm. Uh, legends talk about the hell hounds. In ancient mythology in, in uh, Greece, and I believe also in some Roman mythology and stuff, um, they have, uh, what is it? Is it the Greek one? It has Cerebus, the three-headed hound. Yeah. So they were given kind of a bad rap. It's true. But, but the current the current dog, uh, great pet, great friend. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? You know, they go a little bit deeper, you know, how they get the fedora, the top hat with the trench coat. The glowing red eyes, you know, according to everyone who's seen him, the hat man appears as a completely dark figure like other shadow people. The obvious difference is that the hat man wears, of course, a hat, um, which is mostly a top hat. But sometimes some sightings have been in fedora form. While many people are unable to make out what he is wearing, some people uh, report seeing old fashioned clothing, a long trench coat or a cape. and he always wears at le- he's always at least six feet tall. Um, now you think that the trench coat's just the vibe of the black, just a blacked out body because it's just the trench coat covers everything. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd say possibly that because it's covering and hiding behind it. Also, if you go back in time, um, you go to Middle Ages and stuff, long coats, uh, particularly you you take like the plague where they used to uh, wear the weird mask, and they had a wide brim hat on it, but they also used to wear a long robe or coat. So quite often robes and coats are uh, associated with either spiritual things and sometimes in history, uh, evil things. Yeah. And a six feet tall, of course, at least, you know, if you're a shadow person stretched out and you're under six feet, that means you're like, like a dwarf, like a shadow dwarf person. Is that what that would be? Now, I, I think it's basically just an image to intimidate, to yeah. to to get more of that fear going. Just like you can't see the body clearly because of the coat. Uh, the thing is big and tall. Uh, its head and or face is covered. Uh, yeah, that's that's all the scare thing to get you off balance so you're susceptible. And I mean, it, it's it, with the more energy that it can get from the fear, the probably the bigger it can kind of puff itself out to be cobra-like, the way the cobra puffs out its head. Yeah, uh, you'll see, you'll, you know, in images and in descriptions every now and that they're, they're not slender. Sometimes they're like they got some weight to them. There's some bulk to them. So it could be uh, more of an energy. They got more of an energy type deal. Uh, the hat man's face is also usually indistinguishable. But many who have visited uh, who have been visited have claimed that he has glowing red eyes, unlike other shadow people. There have also been reports the hat man carries a gold watch attached to a chain to his belt and will occasionally look at it. Um, The gold watch thing fits into that Grim Reaper, that angel of death thing where the time's up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that that I can see that. Yeah, that's very plain. Um, You know, you think. What, what do you what do you hear about a, a gold watch? You think that's just theatrics or you think that would be more of a reality thing? I think it's more of theatrics of people seeing what if they have a fear and they think it's the angel of death that's kind of like projecting 
Yeah. Or if they're not actually projecting whatever that hat man, shadow person, or demon is, will project back a watch to make them even more afraid, like my time's up. Yeah. They they feed off our fears. And if someone's afraid of dying, then they'll use an image that is associated with death. And that includes angel of death. Yeah, obvious one is time's up. It yeah. stands there and you wait for it to just kind of click the top on that thing down. And then you freak out because it's your time. For sure. This reminds me of, a, I read this book by Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's kid called Heart Shaped Box. It's about a rock musician who uh, is invest- he's a big fan of collecting all these dark things, you know what I mean? And one of the things he acquires is, uh, I believe it was the suit of a dead man. And I think the suit a dude was buried in. There, it had a weird story behind it, but yeah, he kind of like, he starts to be visited by like something exactly like this. And he has a pocket watch in it as well. And he's got the hat. And I think he's definitely like more of a take on the, on the shadow man type deal. Um, but I did want to bring up, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the, 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 the pages were bringing up the fact that they said that, you know, shadow, the hat man was a big influence on Freddy Krueger from the nightmare on Elm street movies. And I've only heard that on while researching for this, because I'm a big horror fan, big nightmare on Elm street fan. And every interview I've ever read or listened to with Wes Craven I don't believe Hatman ever came up. His whole take was it was the, the, the fedora was because there was a homeless dude. He was in his bedroom one night and he heard some guy laughing going down the street and he looked, went to his bedroom window and he looked out with his brother and um, they got, they seen the whole, the homeless dude laughing with the fedora and uh, he can he noticed the kids in the window. So he stopped and he stared at the kids and you know, they, they scrambled out of the window and hid for a little bit. And they said they gave it some time and that they came back. Um, and the whole, the homeless guy was still there staring at him. And then, like, I guess he went over and started knocking on their door downstairs. And it, it horrified him as a kid. Um, and I know that the, na- the name Freddy Krueger, I believe, came from a school, a bully in his school, in West Craven School. So I don't know. But the hat man is definitely... It's definitely a vibe that rides it. Like, it, like it makes sense. You have a dream demon that wears a hat or a fedora. You know, that does sound very Freddy Krueger-ish. But I also, it makes you wonder which came first, the chicken or the egg with this one. You know, because Krueger came out in the mid-80s. They've been talking about shadow people forever. But I don't exactly, I, I couldn't, couldn't quite get a date on when the first hat man, official hat man popped on the scene. And we both know and have talked about on the show that if you can easily kind of create a boogeyman and if you put enough, enough faith into it and belief in it, that it can eventually manifest into a real thing. So who's to say it's not that. And having Freddy Krueger being a dream demon, wearing a fedora hat is a heavy, that might've been the, could I quite have possibly have been the biggest influence that there ever was on the hat man thing. You know, what's your take on Freddy Krueger in a hat man situation? I think that uh, Freddy Krueger may have influenced the whole image of the hat man. Uh, but if you go back to, for instance, the angel of the death or death is always a long cloak and it has a hood. And over time, maybe the hood was replaced with a hat yeah, as far yeah. as the angel of death goes. But I think that the uh, hat man was around in different cultures, but Freddy Krueger kind of just helped 
uh, solidify some of the visuals or the way people saw it. Because uh, when something is trying to manifest, what you got to realize is that it will tap into your mind and it will pick, bring up images that scare you or yeah. something from your past. So since people don't wear clothing with hoods anymore, but they now wear hats, mm. um, what you're seeing is what is what it's tapping into is that, you know, uh, maybe you had this, I don't know, scary uncle that always showed up with a, a long coat and a big hat or something. It's going to pick an image that scares you, whether it is something that you saw in a movie, something that happened in your life, something you read about. It's going to be using that, your energy and your thoughts to create that image, to keep the fear going, to be able to manipulate you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, adding a hat, a hat is, isn't particularly a creepy article of clothing. You know what I mean? You would think if you were putting together, if we were, if we were, if me and Ray right here were saying, okay, we're going to create like weird science style. We're going to create a spiritual entity in a computer and, and print it out into the real world. Um, and we go, okay, it's got to be shadowy. It's got to be black. Got to be all blacked out so you don't really know what's going on, but it can morph or whatever and make faces. And then Ray goes, let's put a hat on it. And we go, a hat? Put a hat on it? Well, like the hat I'm wearing, like a Red Sox hat? Are we going to put like a winter hat on it? A cowboy hat? And he goes, a fedora. And it goes, oh, a cowboy hat, huh? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think like if we were creating a movie villain, you know what I mean? It'd be like, we're going to make this really scary guy. And the idea of throwing a hat on it would be cut. Would I feel would um, take away from it. So that that's why the, I, I find the hat very interesting and it does have that creepy element, but I don't know. It's weird. It would have to have a true meaning behind it that we don't know. But I, like you, like you said, and I was saying, I do think, I think Freddy Krueger was a heavy influence on this, Maybe it was bouncing around before Kruger, but the Kruger thing definitely blew it up. Whenever you got Dream Demon and a Fedora hat in the same sentence, you can't you can't not recognize Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Now, to go into that, to go a little deeper into like a Freddy Krueger feel, uh, feel Freddy Krueger to reach out and touch somebody. You know what I mean? So there's different situations that happen you know supposedly when the hat man's around and those are the, the people who claim that the hat man has attacked them they tell stories about being jumped jumped on or choked uh, and have experienced burning in their chest or tingling on their scalp shadow people are said to often do this the hat man is also happy just watching you he tends to stay longer than most shadow people as well as he's been spotted watching people in the mirror bending over them while they sleep or just hanging out in the corner with a creepy smile on his face. Now, all those seem pretty creepy to me. I don't think I'd want to encounter any of those things. Um, if you had to have an, him in the mirror bending over you while you sleep, or in the corner smiling, let's not even answer that because that's an inviting question. But I don't. Um, I don't really. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty stuff that I wouldn't want to deal with. Um, you know what I mean? But perhaps not attacking a person or simply observing them from afar is the more terrifying thing, uh, especially since many people insist that the hat man uh, has a solid form, unlike the shadow people. And while shadow people tend to just disappear when it's time for them to leave, hat man has been seen floating above the ground or walking away. Um, I also feel like if you're going for that fear aspect being in the corner of the room smiling would, would eventually create more fear 
than just an attack because once the attack happens, just like in real life, like people are afraid to fight. You know, you, you know, you, you know, you're going to fight somebody, you're going to fight Johnny after school at three thirty. You're all day. You're going to go, Oh man, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. I'm so worried. And then once you get punched in the face and the, the worst of it's happened, the worry's gone. You know what I mean? So I think that it's, that's why it would creep in the corner because if it could show up, if it could show up every day for a year, it would have you creeped out every day for a year. But I feel like if in the first the first five, you know, first five or ten days, if every time it, it rushed up to you and it scared you and you eventually said, oh, well, I mean, it's grabbing me or whatever, but it's not really doing anything else or it's just looking creepy. It's getting in my face and it's creepy. I think you'd eventually get over that fear. You know, it, it, it wouldn't have the same by day 30. It wouldn't have the same impact that it's having on day one. And whereas in, I think, a standing in the corner thing would stay scarier because you still have that what if. What if it was to move towards me? You know what I mean? What do you think about that? Well, I agree. The mystery threat or the unknown threat uh, sometimes is greater than the, than the known. I mean, if, if you take, uh, okay, you, you take that uh, schoolyard, that fight in the schoolyard after school sort of thing. I mean, you know, uh, you know it's going to happen. You know who's going to be there. I mean, you have an idea what's going to happen. But if you start hearing rumors about someone who is like, you know, next time you're, you're and you don't know who, but there's word out that, you know, somebody hates you. Next time you're in a hall alone, they're going to shove you down those stairs or something. Mm. And it's never actually concrete. Every time you walk in a stairway, you're going to start looking around, make sure you're the only one there. Because this is starting to feed on your fear. This is starting to creep you out and make you vulnerable. That hat man in the corner is doing the same thing. It's feeding off your fear. It's growing stronger. It's making you vulnerable. Vulnerable. It's making you, uh, you're starting to lose, lose your reason because you're starting to go into that room or lay down in, in that bed waiting for it to happen. So now you're feeding into it. And that's controlling you. Yeah. That, that fear is controlling you and it's feeding off it, uh, attacking you kind of like, well, one way or the other, this is going to end. But that control it has by keeping you in fear and keeping you in doubt and off balance, that's key. For sure. For sure. You know, there, there was a book written by um, Heidi, um, Heidi Hollis called The Hat Man, The True Story of Evil Encounters. Um, you know, she had a, as we all know, you know, we were talking about briefly before, you know, trauma, times of trauma, or aggression, or other negative emotional disturbances, um, can bring it in. And, you know, people feel that he's, you know, he's the, he's a, he, he brings you to hell. He, people think he's a demon that comes when you're about to die that, uh, brings you to hell type deal. But, uh, in her book, she, uh, caught up with a German soldier who told her a story about witnessing the hat man. And uh, he asked who the hat man, who he was, and that, and, and the answer is pretty creepy. And uh, the answer is, you know, he, she, he said that his name was Scratch, which is an old nickname for the devil. Um, are you familiar with that? Have you heard that before? I've heard that one before. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Hollis also recounted the story of a suicidal man who woke to find himself in the hospital and the hat man close by. According to the story, the hat man quickly disappeared after after the man woke up, but not before saying, I almost had you. 
Goosebumps. <laughs> um, some people believe that the hat man emits very powerful negative energy and fe- feeds off the fears like we do, and mostly ghostly. Um, what do you think of those stories, Ray? Um, as for communicating with it, that's possible. The thing to remember, whether it's manipulating from the corner or communicating uh, with you, giving a name or something, it wouldn't give its real name because in the name, when we're talking about words, that's power. Mm. Um, so you got to remember that anything that is evil is a trickster and dis- deceitful. If you were to take uh, a demon and it appears as a hat man, it doesn't want you to see its true form. It wants to weaken you. It wants it wants to feed off you. Because if it showed its true form, you'd simply uh, be terrified, run, uh, pray, but you'd be less susceptible. So it stalks you. The hat man is a great stalker. And evil is a great trickster and stalker. It stalks you till the time is right. It manipulates you and uh, feeds off you until the time is right for it to take over. Mm. Scratch is very creepy. It kind of goes back to the thing we've talked about where like a demon will almost pretend to be like the devil himself. You know, like in the movies where they go, who is this? What demon is this? And they go, well, it's the devil, you know? Um, but like that conversation we had about, are they able to use that name and fake it with that name being so powerful in their realm? But with them saying the nickname of it, you could easily get away with that. Now you would have to know the person you were telling would have to know that that was a nickname. But uh, if a German soldier, I get, I get a feeling like we're going back, we're going back sometime. So, um, but at that era, I mean, maybe that was a more commonly used term for medieval. But the I almost had you thing creep me out. You know what I mean? It's very. Uh, that's one thing that will keep you keep you alive after a suicide attempt is realizing that that almost had you. So you probably want to stay around as long as possible after that. You know what I mean? I know I would. That'd be horrifying. Um, you know, he often appears in a, so many different situations, and occasionally several people in the same family. Uh, that there really isn't an explanation. If he truly uh, is, he truly evil. Why does he appear to so many people? You know, so it's one of those things where it's not just one person interacting. He can, you know, usually at one t- at, at at one like one person at a time, but the whole family can have situations encounters with it. Now you can catch twenty two and also go into the Freddy Krueger thing and say, well, if more people know about it, the more people that know about it, other people that are opened up to it. Now that would be realistically in the spiritual world as well as in you know that manifestation of something that originally wasn't real world as well. You know, but if you're talking about you talking about one more than one person in the family, the family, let's say there's trauma in the family, they all share some of that energy. Yeah. And some of that trauma. So to appear in a family is not that unusual. The other aspect of it is um, everybody's born with a certain amount of psychic ability. Some people it manifests more easily than others. But quite often you find it, particularly those that are very adept at using their psychic ability. You find it in a family line. Most often if you talk to somebody, let's say that they're a psychic or a medium. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, like, for instance, Oh, my mother used to be able to do it. And then her grandmother used to be able to do it or grandfather used to be able to do it. So you've got almost a genetic factor, which might infect the 
the family thing, plus the energy, the family dynamics. Um, if one becomes susceptible, it's realistic to think that maybe the whole family becomes susceptible because they share those emotions and that energy. Right. I'm with you. Uh, in 2001, the subject of shadow people was first introduced to the mainstream media via Coast to Coast AM. After that, which was a cool radio show. Our Bell was the original dude, I think, that did Coast to Coast. Um, now, if you don't know Art Bell, go, go listen to some Art Bell. It's good times. Uh, after the broadcast, many people sent in drawings of what they had seen and shared stories about uh, their own experiences with shadow people. 2001, that was Art Bell time, too. Um, Arthur, uh, author and strange encounter enthusiast Heidi Hollis noted in 2008 that there, were, there was a commonly seen shadow person she named Hatman. And people all over the world claimed to have been visited by him as well. Now, if shadow people first popped on the scene in 2001. I could definitely say that um, it can't, couldn't have been an, inf- you know, it couldn't. Freddy Krueger, the, creating that character, couldn't have been influenced by the the that the big boom of it because if the big boom was 2001. I think Nightmare on Elm Street was 1982 or three. I believe. Um, so, yeah, they're way off on that one. But it's definitely uh, one of those deals. Uh, no one expected so many people to experience the hat man. You know what I mean? Uh, shadow people. But similarity of the people's stories has given a creepy dark man a lot of popularity and more credibility for a lot of people. Uh, it's one of those deals. You know what I mean? Like shadow people, the hat man often appears when people are experiencing sleep paralysis. You know what I mean? Like the Insomniac short film that can be seen on the Boombastic Media YouTube page right this second. Uh, sleep paralysis is a sleep disorder that scientists believe may be caused by a disturbed REM sleep cycle. People who experience this, physical, uh, uh, this physically harmless but psychologically terrifying experience are fully awake but unable to move. They may also have uh, hypnotic hallucinations as they uh, are trapped between being asleep and being awake. And they might see things like shadow people or the hat man. It's almost like a dimensional crossover. You know, and, and who's nobody knows sleep such a weird mental state that when you go there, they say sleep's the cousin to death. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's it's an unconscious that you go into. You know, there people put people to sleep when they do surgery so they don't feel pain and stuff. So it's really a questionable state when you go out, you know what I mean? Like really where are you? You know what I mean? So like that coming back from it, I would believe there would be some type of weird crossover dimension that could be you know, we often talk about exhaustion, you know, with, ins- with that short, that Insomniac short that's on the Boombastic Media YouTube page right now, you know, we dive into the into the, the vibe of, you know, the third eye being opened up by lack of sleep where you just get exhausted and you're, because you're so exhausted, your third eye has to open up and over, work overtime and then you're able to kind of see through dimensions, which is the fun short. But I, yeah, I definitely I vibe with that. What's your take on a, a middle ground dimension in between being asleep and being awake? Um, I believe it. I also believe that when we are asleep, we are open uh, <laughs> without the barriers and our conditioning from society so that uh, the energy of the mind and the thought projections and can connect uh, 
with things in other dimensions. That's what basically meditation is. When you, when you uh, shut off the mind, you are open to be able to connect with your higher self or with other dimensions. There are actual meditations for the fifth dimension. Yeah. Um, so sleep is very, very similar. You are very open and something could present itself either in sleep or when you're transitioning in or out before you're fully recognizing, oh, yeah, I'm back here. That's my room. That's my. And then you're dragging something across with you from the other side. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's when you're susceptible. That's why your sleep space we've talked about in the past about cleansing your house and uh, whether it be crystals or salt or uh using salt, using different things to keep a space clean. Um, your bedroom is one key space to keep clean because you are susceptible when you sleep. Yeah. And going in and out of that sleep, which uh, a lot of that resembles uh, the old hag syndrome, which mm-hmm. we mentioned once in the past, uh, which happens while you're falling asleep. Um, so you've got a lot at play there, but being having an open mind that actually reaches out and sees into other dimensions while you're transitioning and or whether you're asleep, that's a distinct possibility, if not a reality. I believe it is. And uh, you have to be careful. You need a safe space to sleep in. I agree. I agree. You know, something with the sleep paralysis thing, some people said they've seen them while they're awake. So they wanted, they wanted to add that, that it might not sleep paralysis, even though that it does happen during that, that it's not always connected. But with that being said, who's to say they're not sleeping and think they're awake? Know what I mean? That's a possibility. The other thing is that uh, what you're going to get automatically, unfortunately, is science is going to look at it and say, oh, it's a uh, sleep hallucination or it's uh, the brain misfire. They're always going to come up with a physical reason why it can't be real, but it can be real. Yeah. It doesn't have to, you don't have to uh, accept the fact that, okay, uh, this doctor says I'm just imagining it. My problem with that is the number of people, including myself that have seen the hat man when they've been wide awake. And I know several people and I have, and I was awake. I mean, I wasn't in, in a bedroom or anything. I was wide awake. And other people that I confirmed it with that saw it also, they were also wide awake. Yeah. But the, in, the interesting thing about that, uh, where I saw it, we did a section uh, when we were doing Massachusetts and haunted places on Massachusetts. And I think it, we touched on areas up around Worcester, Mass. And uh, I know they had a factory up there that uh, is now no longer there, but the remains are haunted. There's also, I think, in that Outside of Worcester, there's a lake that was filled in on some land made into a reservoir that actually graves recovered. And the place where myself and others saw the hat man was in Sutton, just on the border of Worcester. It was in one of those areas. It's very high on paranormal activity. And we were all awake. It was 7 o'clock at night, and there were about 12 of us together. We all saw it, and um, it had been seen there before, the location we were in. Yeah. And uh, we weren't investigating or anything. First time I saw it, I turned around, I opened my mouth to say, do you see that? And the other people said, oh, you've finally seen it. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, you mean that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it it stays outside. It just passes by the window. Sometimes you can look. You look outside and you see it. You go outside, there's no one there. 
And this, this was a house which had this in a semi-country sort of setting with a big yard and big everything. There was no way someone could have run away in those few seconds it took to open the door. Mm. So it was kind of like, okay, not unless they can sprint fat 100 yards faster than an Olympic sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just disappears when you go looking for it. <clears throat> so yeah. you're talking myself and maybe a dozen others that have seen it in an area that's notorious for being haunted. And I saw it before I heard about it. So it wasn't like someone planted something in my head. I saw it. I described it. And everybody there is kind of like, oh, you saw it, huh? Okay, welcome to the club. <laughs> my my hat, man. Huh? I, I, I was I was going to go like, okay, I don't know if I want to be in this club or not, but and this was like uh, at least 25 years ago. Yeah, I, got, I had a hat, sto- uh, hat, hat man story that I, I said on the, uh, uh, with Dave, happened with Dave Maggot. Um, the whole story can be heard on the horror, horror space of horrors episode, season one, episode two. But uh, me and Dave were cruising down the street, windows down at night. And uh, we drove by Cardinal Cushing in Hanover, Massachusetts. And as we drove by, I remember looking to the left and I seen a dude that looked like he was like 16 feet tall. He was in a top hat, pale skin, um, and he had like a long, tra- it was it was like a dress trenching coat. It was like those long coats they used to wear back in the day. And he had like his hand out, like he was waving, almost like when you drive by, you could have reached out. And if you were tall enough, you could have reached up and slapped him five. He was like that type deal. And I remember I drove by him and I like looked as I was passing and it was very weird. And then I turned to Dave and I go, did you see that? And Dave goes, yeah, because Dave's always claimed to be sensitive and be able to see things. And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, what did you see? Because I asked him before I told him, I don't want to tell him. He'd just go, oh, yeah, that's what I see. So I go, what'd you see? And he goes, I seen a guy in a top hat, in old clothing, you know, with his hand out. And the only difference in the story is that in my, when I seen him, I thought he was like 16 feet tall. And when Dave seen him, Dave said that he was floating off the ground. He wasn't standing. He was floating. So that, that story still gives me goosebumps to this day. But. Yeah, like that, 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 that's what I think that was, you know, and I've encountered much like Ray has, you know, we encountered a lot of creepy, cool, fun, weird, paranormal things, UFO things, all types of weird things throughout our existence. And, uh, so interesting and fun, you know what I mean? But next up, you know what I mean? They say, you know, uh, in the bedroom and in basements are often like a place where there, there's a lot of sightings going on. Which makes a lot of sense for the bedroom because, you know, that's ma- quite possibly one of the most intimate rooms in your house next to your bathroom. Uh, but if you're catching them in the mirror, like in the previous story, maybe that was a bathroom deal, another intimate place. But, you know, especially with the sleep thing, like where you're going to go to sleep in your bedroom, of course, or maybe fall asleep on the couch. Um, when they brought up basements, I thought that was interesting. A lot of creepy things happen in basements. <clears throat> we've talked about it before where Ray hipped me to the idea of what it is. And it's, there's a lot of electricity in the basement, a lot of energy to pull from. And uh, when Ray told me that it, it opened up the gate of reality, I said, that is fucking amazingly correct. That is, that is, that is exactly why people see them in basements and I never even thought of it. 
So, like, if I was, that's why I didn't see them in ba- basements and bedrooms. You feeling the same way on that one? Uh, bedrooms, yeah. I mean, between the sleep, the intimacy, the all of the energy that's released there, your susceptibility. Basements, energy is on several levels. Uh, quite often you have electrical uh, fuse, you, know, you used to have fuse boxes. Now you have circuit breakers. A lot of the electrical that feeds the rest of the house, that's all scented down there and thrown off EMF, so it's creating um, an electrical field. Also, check which uh, what the geology is underneath the area you're in. Any place that has a lot of quartz in it, and there are other uh, other rock compositions also that conduct a lot of energy, mm. and that that can open a portal. Um, also, if your house is uh, next to a river, and river is a great conductor, and it's going the way in since the river is in the ground and in the earth is through the earth and into your basement. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that basements can open up uh, portals or make access easy. Plus, you add in our conditioning, you know, creepy dark basements. Oh, so we're projecting it in there. Once you start piling one thing, oh, you got EMF. Oh, there's a river there. Well, like there's a river out back with me, but lower than the house level. Uh, oh, you got a river. Oh, we're built on granite and we think it's creepy and we got EMS done. You've created a door. Right under there, you've, you've, there's a door there, and your feelings about creepy basements uh, really are helping to open that door, feed it more. Yeah, I'm with it. They say a lot of the witnesses claim that after that, after they, after they, uh, as adults, when they witness it, that they have like flashback memories uh, as kids of seeing the same thing, and it's almost like it stays with them like it, it, it haunts them it, it, you know what i mean it's attached it kind of goes to that mothman thing we talked about recently about there's an attachment when you get close to this negative thing that even when you leave it you still the fact that you guys seen each other or had a touch share a touch that it'll always kind of be with you um i also had a question i wanted to bring up you know in all, a lot of these broken homes and stuff where it's bad environments what's your take on the possibility of like a child because what, the, what them seeing as childs and, and later in life, it sounds like trauma. So what's your take on it almost being like a parental figure or something like that in the family that abuses them and they just kind of see them as this evil spirit? They don't see them as the phys- what they know them as. Maybe they blocked out. In a way of trying to cope with what happened, do you think that there's any reality to that, you think? I think there might be some, but typically if you take uh... – traumatized child or abused child, what they tend to do is they tend to strive very hard to get the approval of the abuser. And as a child, they don't really see them as evil because they want their love. It's later on as an adult that they may hate them for what they did to them. Yeah. I I think it's more like the trauma opens them up and makes them susceptible to things from the other side. I know in certain native American tribes, uh, physical or emotional trauma when you're young, they believe keeps you open so that your psyche doesn't uh, close completely so that you become the shaman or the medicine man or the medium. And you're, you're more open later in life if you've had the extreme trauma early in life. So for, you know, for that traumatized child to end up being 
uh, someone who sees the hat man or something else, but particularly the hat man is, is not much of a surprise because it's more open to those things. The trauma produced that split in its psyche and it never healed. Yeah. I'm with it. I think that, I think that that, that could definitely, not saying it definitely isn't, but I think that that definitely could, um, do something. I think that, you know, the human mind, and when you're going through a trauma like that, who's to say, you know, a lot of people, when they say they go uh, close to death experiences, you know, that's kind of when they become sensitive or open up to these things. Like who's to say when you're going through something very traumatic like that, I'm sure that opens you up. Um, and if you almost, this reality you're living in is so awful, awful that you almost go into a different reality in your head. You know what I mean? I think well, you, yeah, you also got to take the fact that if you want to talk about the intensity of the trauma, if you are a very young child and your whole life is face uh, focused around your parents, I mean, let, let's face it, when, when, you, when you're very young, they're it. They're, they're the caregivers, they're the lovers, they're, they love you and everything. And if that is betrayed and the trauma results from that betrayal, from abuse, um, yeah, that sort of trauma has the same sort of impact as a, uh, or intensity as a near death experience. Uh, you can't, you can't lessen it for a little person that's idolizes their parents to have their parents be the one brutal thing in life that does not show love. So yeah, that produces a trauma that's very severe and that person is very susceptible afterwards on the psychic level because their energies have been disrupted and their whole lookout on life, whether they realize it or not, has been changed. So later on, they tend to become, if, if not the misfits, then they become the psychics and the mediums and the other people who uh, turn around and say, you know, why do I see this? Why do I? Well, yeah, you never, your heart and soul and your mind never healed from that first trauma. And you're open to all these influences out there in a the multiverse. Yeah. yeah. Truth. We have uh, two witness accounts that we'll run through real quick and give opinions on. First up, my now ex-boyfriend always talked about these shadow people. He saw the top hat man and the man in the fedora, which I would say would be the same person. He always said the top hat man came to warn him of awful things that were going to happen. I, of course, thought he was a psycho and dismissed it. Two months later, I started to see the man in the hat next to our bed. He would lean over me. Anyways, my boyfriend ended up violently assaulting several girls. I read somewhere that he may show up if you are in the presence of an evil person or a dangerous environment. I also saw a different shadow man in the middle of the road in the car at night with him. I explained his appearance to my boyfriend. He explained immediately that this is, this is the man that came when death occurred. Ironically, I went to the doctor's uh, doctor's visit the next day and was informed I had a miscarriage last night. Since we broke up, I haven't seen shadow people since. <clears throat> so it sounds like he's haunted. He he want he almost wants a relationship with shadow people, so he lets him in. What do you think? Uh, I I agree. That's uh, something's lacking in this world, and you're seeking a relationship in the in the spirit world, and it going about it the wrong way. Uh, what they what they're doing is turning to uh, something which has deceived them that is evil, and they just they just got sucked in, and now that's where their focus is, a relationship at any cost. Yeah. 
Our next one is, uh, you know, a story of a little girl. Hat Man was with a young girl. She spoke an unknown language. Uh, she, she, she says, I saw him at 18 years old in my room after a particularly traumatic experience. I woke up at an incredibly late hour, probably two or three. I didn't check, but something was off. I was speaking in a language I've never heard. I was speaking to what I can only describe as a young girl or something with the body type of a young girl, perhaps 14 in a dress. I don't know how body type could be figured out by speaking a certain way. Um, You could definitely tell if it's a younger kid or an older kid, but body type's interesting phrasing. Um, 14 in a perhaps 14 in a dress. And he's seeing this too. It's weird. He seems like a creep. I couldn't make out her features, but I could make out her eyes and her mouth, which could only be described as sharp looking, like a human piranha or something. I already called bullshit on this story. Uh, she, was, <laughs> she, was, she was whispering something in my ear and I was replying in a strange language. But it wasn't just a shadow girl. My bed was surrounded by tall, dark figures, which I could not make out the features of. Perhaps four of them, not counting the girl. They sat motionless and watched me. But the most striking figure was a tall man in a wide-brimmed hat standing in the corner of my room. I could feel as if he was amused. No more amused than the others. Each time the girl whispered in my ear, I could let out a rep- I, I would let out a reply of which I didn't understand and the man in the hat would be delighted. You think that one would be scared of this sort of encounter, but it felt familiar. I felt rather warm, as if I was surrounded by old friends or family. I forgot to add that I was researching this encounter and came across a startlingly similar account. Uh, the person had almost identical experience, minus talking in another language, or at all, for that matter. The little girl was tell- yelling into the ear, as opposed to whispering, as she was, uh, as she was for the cur, which is a very strange uh, situation. Now that had a lot of good, interesting things in it. Uh, I'll say for for a bullshit story. You know, the group of people. What's your take on the gr- a girl whispering in the ear and a group of people around her bed that are that with the shadow man in the corner? That's a, that's a full house right there. That's a party. Well, I think that the uh, in a case like that, if you if you were to take it as a legitimate. Uh, experience Mm. then what you're looking at is uh the trauma in that child's life has probably been in that uh, teenager's life has probably been 18 year old has probably been going on for a long while and the most recent traumatic activity just pushed them over the edge they are wide open and uh the shadow man is is feeding on fears maybe the uh projection projected this little girl whispering and these people around there and it was just building a case to try and push this girl completely over the edge so that it could control her what's your take on a summoning of family you think like a shadow man bringing lost like passed on loved ones to see her she she felt a a familiar sense of warmth that could have been trickery of course but what's your take on almost a positive hat man experience I would say that's trickery. Yeah. As, I, as I said earlier, um, if it's evil, it's going to use trickery. Just like we've discussed, uh, it's popped up several times in the past, that uh, evil will use the image of a, image or voice of a child because it's something you respond to with compassion or with love. Yeah. So if that hat man is trying to trick this person, it's going to make them feel like, oh, wow, this is family. I'll let them come closer. 
I'll uh, feel good. I'll relax. I'll let my guard down. And that's what the hat man wants. Right. Yeah, it's craziness. It's crazy behavior. You know what I mean? Uh, that was that one was interesting because of all the different characters involved. You had Hat Man in the corner being pleased. You had these other entities around them that were more. They were just like regular people. It almost had like a cult feel to it. You know what I mean? Like there was this dimensional cult situation or some some weird. You know, maybe a maybe like a. Uh, the way we talk about uh, psychic vampires, maybe there was some weird energy sacrifice that was being done. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we talk about situations where people could lay curses on their own family, where they could, you know, cur- you know, curse their kids or whatever. Maybe you know, or offer their kid up. You know, we had a story in the first season, horrible story of a dude that was a Satanist that gave his kid's life to the devil before he was even born, and that poor kid was you know, burdened by negative things all the way up until he eventually killed himself. I remember correctly. So like that stuff's out there. Um, You know, and a crazy thing, you know, if if you had a wicked parent that threw that on you and you don't even know you have it on you, it's just going to hang over you. You know, that's why I'd say every now and then I like to just say a little prayer, like, you know, for anything negative that's around, just depart, just depart, go away. You know what I mean? Not welcome type stuff because it can, it can pick up like, you know, like flypaper, you know what I mean? It's there, and God knows what's flying around, but it can get caught up in your net, and now you've got that with you, too. Um, so I almost, with that that story in itself, I almost got the vibe of something. Yeah, Shadow Dude might have been involved. Uh, the Hat Man might have been involved, but I don't know. I think there's a little more to that one. You know, maybe she dabbled in a weird, maybe she was a dark arts person. That isn't taken into consideration as well as, like, if she was one of these people that love, there's people that love the devil. So the, 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 the feeling of dread that could have came in the room could have been what she considered warmth. You know what I mean? Because to her, maybe it was warmth where anybody else would be like, uh, and if you, it goes back to that whole thing where with these people that act like they're the devil's friend, you know what I mean? And, uh, everything's cool in the gang. If you, if you're his buddy, uh, even though it's not that way, but uh, so going into it, they might feel like, oh, this is cool because I'm feeling his darkness. Oh, you know what I mean? But under, but it not quite being cool. You know what I mean? Well, when you talk about shadow people, both with shadow people and people who practice the dark arts, uh, it's not mainstream for the longest time throughout history. Anybody who did, did uh, practice the dark arts or possibly who even saw something, the shadow man or something like it, they would never tell anybody. Yeah, I mean that's that's the stuff that got you hung or burned at a stake. Yeah. So how long it's been going on, we can't accurately say. It does pop up here and there in history, or very similar things. It's only with the very open society we have now, where people believe in saying anything they want, and sometimes it's attention grabbing, but other times it's uh, they they're gonna they're gonna put it out there. But I still think that those who uh, practice the dark arts, they still are hesitant on admitting it. When it goes wrong, they will be the person that, oh, my God, you won't believe what happened. But they won't talk about all the stuff they did before that, Mm. that brought them to that point where they actually bridged that gap and had to confront evil. Yeah. True. You know what I mean? 
it's a weird deal, you know. It, 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 people think other dimensional being, you know, and the, the movement, the the shadowy thing is just kind of the vibration because we're all vibrations, you know. You, you take that element to it, and, and the whole element of you don't, you know, our eyes. Are, there's some things our eyes aren't meant to see, whether it's right there in front of our face or not. So who's to say a lot of this stuff, the shadowy aspects of things, it could be somebody, you know, you could take the crazy idea of it being somebody from the future where we often talk about in UFO things is there's, there's theories that UFOs are really just humanity from the future. So like if, the, if, if, a, if humanity from the future figured out a way to time travel through dimensions back here, I, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a little shimmer to them or something that kind of, uh, had that vibe of the shadowy look to it where it's just not, it's not quite fully there. You know what I mean? Because of the way light, the lights are, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, hidden in plain sight things. And you know what I mean? Like that, but you know, other theories on the existence of the hat man stretch all the way across to aliens. People feel it's aliens, time travelers, ghosts as well, as well, of course, the wild imagination of the witnesses, but there's really no scientific method to test any of these ideas. It is loosely based a lot around sleep, um, sleep and darkness, which are some of the most tricking tr- things that can trick you the most, the sleep and the darkness. But, uh, but Hatman definitely remains a mystery and a creepy element. You know what I mean? You want to say anything else in closing on the Hatman situation? Um, I'd say don't trust it. Like most shadow forms, uh, you don't know what it really is, and it is potentially evil. Yeah. And the one thing you can trust is that it is something you don't understand with that potential for evil. Again, uh, scientists will say, oh, it's hallucinations, it's this or that. Like I said, that group of uh, 12, each time someone saw it, no one ever mentioned it until after someone saw it and they got a description. Mm-hmm. They just, and then they kind of chuckled. So it's kind of hard to have uh, a hallucination when you have no information and you see what 12 others see. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like there's something there. Beware of what is there. Say your prayers. Do your meditations, your blessings. Uh, cleanse your area. Yeah. And turn your back on trying to delve into it deeper because that could be quite dangerous. For sure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like one of those, you know, there's a t- the two big thing. There's two big reasons why people don't talk about these things. One, they're going to be seen as crazy. And two, they don't want what they're talking about to come back. You know what I mean? I agree. Uh, you know what I mean? And uh, both very valuable reasons not to, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, it is what it is. There's other people out there talking. That's how we get all this info. But, yeah, uh, beware. Beware of the hat man. Um, but, yeah, we do think he's some type of entity. There's a lot of weird spiritual entities mixed up in it. It's not just ghost and living, you know what I mean? There's definitely a lot more categories of unexplainable within there. And I do feel that a hat man would in shadow people absolutely have a place in a very real spiritual world. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I I definitely agree. You see the hat man say, hold on a second, get your sage, say some uh, uh, prayers of protection and chase the thing out of your house. 
I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if he wears a hat because he used to be bald, man. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> that, yeah, that that could be. Doesn't want to get that burn on his head from the fires of hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He may be dead, but he's very vain. You know what I mean? Evil is vain. <laughs> and with that being said, if you like this episode, go catch out more episodes of Mostly Ghostly wherever you're checking this out. Spotify, Apple, Google, we're all over the map. Even places we, didn't even, we don't even mention. Um, we have Facebook pages you know what i mean check us out on the social medias and mostly ghostly and boombastic media is our production company um for podcasts you know boombastic media has a youtube page like i said you can find the insomniac short film on there right when you go on there that deals a lot with you know it's got the, the dream demon that is the basis of it uh no better episode to kind of push that short it's up there for free so go give it a go give a pay us with a with a view a view number you know what i mean and uh, if you want to pay us in any other way, we do go to Boombastic Streaming on Patreon, but we don't push that. We let that be. We let that hang in the corner, smile, and in the dock. So with that being said, we wish you all a fantastic week, and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ghostly. <laughs>